Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Should the Pac-12 change their tagline, the Conference of Champions? Well, we look at the contenders and stars out west right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Chris Smith. Give me a follow on Twitter at the Sports Jesus. That's at the Sports Jesus. The month is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and features, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. COVID impacted the Pac-12 particularly heavy last year. The 2020 season began in November, and no team played more than seven games with all regular season games coming against teams in the division. But as we look to a full slate this fall, the big question still remains. Will we see a team from that conference make it to the playoff? Well, recent history says otherwise, as the Pac-12 has accounted for just two of the 28 CFP bursts since it began in 2014. So I asked Steve Heigl of JustCollegeFootball.com if this is the year that all changes. I think a Pac-12 team will not make it again into the Final Four. I think when they get to 12, I think you'll see regularly at least one Pac-12 team in the Final 12 each year to make the playoff. But as, as long as it stands at four, I think it's going to be really difficult for a Pac-12 team to make the final playoff, I think the only way they do it is just to go undefeated. I, I just and and win the and maybe maybe one non-conference loss, go undefeated in the conference, and win the conference championship game. That would be the best hope for any Pac-12 team, I think, at this point. Speaking of that, the Pac-12 championship game will be played on December third at Allegiant Stadium, home of the Las Vegas Raiders and UNLV Rebels. So let's take a look at this year's Pac-12 teams, starting with the men in Eugene, the Oregon Ducks. In the 2020 postseason, they lost to Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl 34-17. But what will this year bring? Well, we got a new man behind center as last year's starting QB. Tyler Shook transferred to Texas Tech, and his replacement will be Anthony Brown or Ty Thompson. Brown played in just two games last year, tossing a pair of TDs in the Pac-12 championship game over USC and running for two scores in the Fiesta Bowl loss to Iowa State. Now Thompson, he was ranked as 67th in the 2021 ESPN 300. Jay Butterfield and Robbie Ashford also could be in the mix. Now, even though there may be a new single caller, Oregon does bring back both of its leading rushers in Travis Dye and C.J. Verdell as well as five of its six reception yardage leaders from 2020. Dye averaged a bruising 6.9 yards per carry last year, good for third in the conference. The Ducks' defense will make opposing teams green with envy. 
and one player who will be starting on Saturdays could be on his way to starting on Sundays, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau. In two seasons in Eugene, the Los Angeles native has lived up to the hype, dominating Pac-12 offenses as a pass rusher. Since his true freshman season, no player has recorded more pressures than him in the conference. And scout and NFL draft analyst Ryan Roberts thinks he could be a once-in-a-decade type player. I think he's definitely going to be in that conversation with, you know, the Miles Garretts of the world, the Nick Boses, the Chase Youngs, the Joey Boses. Like, he's going to be in that next-in-line type of kid. What really surprised me about Thibodeau is I expected when I popped on the film for Oregon that, you know, just kind of in my live watching of him, was that he is going to be this super twitchy, explosive defensive end who is, you know, kind of a pure pass rusher and maybe needs some work in the run game because he's not the most, you know, he's not the most dense player of all time. Like, he definitely needs to add weight. But I got, I did not get that player at all. I mean, I got the twitchiness. I got the explosiveness. But the work that he does in the run game took me so by surprise. He is a physical dude who plays with, complete package plays with great efforts. I was so surprised with how advanced he was in the run game. And I actually think that there's a much higher upside with him as a pass rusher moving forward, because I, I think that he is just the guy that has been able to overwhelm players at the point of attack, you know, working up the arc um, and, you know, just offensive tackles just aren't quite athletic enough to handle him. And I don't think that that has helped him develop his game from a technical perspective as a pass rusher. I feel like he doesn't really have a pass rush plan. He just overwhelms players right now. So kind of moving forward, we already have the baseline of him being a really good run defender, and then he has that type of athletic profile. This kid's ceiling is limitless. He could definitely be in that Miles Garrett comparison in that conversation down the road because he has all the tools necessary, and he plays with great effort. So we're not talking about like a – you know, Jadavion Clowney type of player where like, oh, the, the ceiling is endless. But then, you know, it seems like coming out of South Carolina, like he took some plays off. Like it, this kid from Thibodeau out of Oregon doesn't take any plays off. He plays with his hair on fire, which when you couple that with the athletic profile he has, gets you super excited, obviously. Yeah, definitely excited. First player to lead Oregon in sacks and tackle for losses in back-to-back seasons since 2010. And in the outfield for the Ducks is Verona McKinley the third. And Ryan Roberts loves his versatility. He is a really fun football player that I enjoy a bunch. I actually just got the ability to sit down with him for a second time the other day, just kind of, you know, shoot the breeze and just, you know, see how everything's been going for him. So he was a kid that was recruited as an outside cornerback, played nickel early on in his career. They had Javon Holland, obviously, going into 2019, who played kind of that, you know, oversized nickel role. So he actually moved back to safety. He was playing on the, on the, on the roof more than he was kind of in the box. And then this year, I feel like they used him in m- multiple roles. Like I saw him in the slot. I saw him deep. I saw him underneath. Can do a lot of things. He's a versatile piece. Not the biggest safety of all time. But for me, he reminds me a little bit of Rodney McLeod, who's been a really good player for the Philadelphia Eagles now no, for definitely. a few years. I don't think that he is the most dynamic athlete of all time. But what I think he is, is he's always in the right spot. Just He's a coach's dream. He's a guy that is not going to give up the big play. And then he's willing in the box. I think that his best attributes potentially are as a slot defender in man coverage. I think that he has great hips. He's super fluid in, in tight spaces. So I think he gives you reps both on the roof in the box, in the slot. Like, I think he can do a little bit of everything. And he kind of just has that versatile piece that in the NFL now, where it's, it's evolved so much to be in a matchup dictated league, 
a guy that can potentially play multiple roles and match up in man-to-man coverage. Like I think that that's very valuable in today's game. He also was the third freshman to leave the Pac-12 in interception since 1978. And head coach Mario Cristobal has been reeling in the big fish, putting together four consecutive top 20 classes with two of them landing in the top 10. And looking into the crystal ball, let's dive into that schedule for Mario and the squad. Oregon will open up the season versus Fresno State, looking to win their eighth straight game versus the Bulldogs. But the Ducks' toughest test of the season could come in week two when they travel to Columbus to take on Ohio State. And Zach Barnett, National College Football Writer for Football Scoop, says this game is even bigger than people think. I think you can make an argument that it's going to be uh, really difficult, if not impossible, for anyone in the conference to make the playoff if Oregon doesn't win this game. Exactly. Uh, given the fact that I mean the the conference's reputation is so down right now that uh, obviously if Oregon wins, then uh, they'll be the favorite from the conference. But if they don't win, then whoever uh, comes out of the North or the South will presumably have a win over Oregon. That they can just transfer that that scarlet and gray feather over from Oregon's cap to their own cap. Uh, just uh, it, it's an enormous game for the conference, and you know, it, it, along with uh, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, Washington, it's a return trip for a game that never happened. We were supposed to get one of those, you know, special non-conference games last year with Ohio State to, to visit Eugene, uh, where where we were going to see, um, you know, maybe the best Oregon team in a long time uh, host Ohio State. Obviously, that didn't happen, but Oregon. Gets Ohio State uh, breaking in. What this be? What their second game under a new starting quarterback? So the, the Ducks have a fighting chance in this one. Yeah, the two-time defending Pac-12 champs visit the four-time defending Big Ten champs. It's going to be a good one, and the Pac-12 really needs this game. But the Buckeyes have won all nine meetings all time, including a 42 to 20 beatdown in January of 2015 in the inaugural CFP title game. Now we head to La La Land and the USC Trojans, who went 5-1 all in their Pac-12 schedule. In the 2020 postseason, they opted out of a bowl after they lost to Oregon in the conference champ game. And if you smell something burning, that's Clay Helton's seat. He has been one of the most scrutinized head coaches in FBS over the last few seasons, largely in part to USC's inability to achieve national prominence as they did in the early and mid-2000s. But you got to say, is it justified? Here's a rundown of Helton's run at USC since 2015. He's the first USC head coach to have 10 win seasons in each of his first two full seasons and more wins in his first two full seasons than any USC coach all time. In 2017, he led USC to its first conference championship since the conference expanded to 12 teams in 2011. He has a record of 45-23, and 23, including going 36-12 and 12 in the Pac-12 in six seasons as head coach. He's got 12 wins versus AP-ranked opponents, and that includes a bowl win as interim head coach in 2013. Helton shouldn't worry, though, as Keaton Slovis will be commanding the huddle in his junior season. Slovis was forced into action unexpectedly as a true freshman in 2019 when JT Daniels tore his ACL in the first game of the season. And the Arizona native never looked 
back and has thrown for over 5,000 yards along with 37 touchdowns. And according to scout and NFL draft analyst Ryan Roberts, there's potential to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. He's a guy that's trained with Kurt Warner in the past. He has just technical refinement. His, you know, his base is always solid. His, he stays on platform. His feet are great inside the pocket. He, again, suffered from an abbreviated season where he was also dealing with a throwing shoulder injury, which kind of hurt his kind of hurt his production as a sophomore compared to what the insane numbers that he put up as a freshman. But I think in a fully healthy year and a full slate of games, Keaton Slovis could end up being the first quarterback off the board. I, I think that a lot of teams are really going to love the fact of he's a three-year starter at a major university in the Power Five, and then he has the production to back it up. Production indeed, as he put up some eye-popping records for the Trojans in his first two seasons there, such as most career games with 400 pass yards tied with Matt Barkley. He's got nine games with 300 passing yards, seven shy of setting the record, and his 70% completion percentage is currently the highest in program history. And according to Bet Online, Slovis currently has the eighth best odds to win the Heisman. And how about the return of the Drake, London and Jackson, that is? The Trojans had three of the top five leaders in receiving yards in the conference last season, with Drake London leading the way with 502 yards. London is the only receiver of the trio to return in 2021 and is poised for a breakout junior season after recording 72 receptions for over 1,000 yards, eight receiving TDs in his first two years. Drake Jackson returns on the defensive side of the ball in what will likely be his final seasons with the Trojans. He made 17 starts in the last two years, most notably registering 5.5 sacks as a true freshman in 2019. His seven and a half sacks since then is tied for ninth most in the Pac-12 in that span. And at safety, I ask out Ryan Roberts, does USC's Isaiah Palomalo remind you of his uncle Troy Palomalo? Um, not really. I mean, they're, they're very, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's obviously a big comparison to compare anybody to Troy, but I will say Isaiah is, I mean, the kid is listed at six foot four. I think he's a legit six, three plus. He is very rangy on the back end. Um, play, he played like the true free safety single high a ton for USC, which for that size is pretty absurd, you know, that you don't see guys that size that are, that are playing that role, but he has some underrated athleticism, some underrated range. I think that he can last in that role, but what really caught me off guard, I mean, not off guard, but for a lighter frames guy that still needs to add weight, the kid gets involved in the run game. It's not perfect. He misses some tackles, but there are some hits that he puts on film that do remind you, you know, a little bit of what his, what, you know, what Troy was doing back in the day. So there obviously a little bit of comparison there, but I, I think that he's a, and again, he's a versatile guy that I think teams are going to see a lot differently, but you know, he graded out high for me because I think that he's rangy, athletic, big safety that has the ability to affect both the run and the pass game at a high degree. Yeah, for his career, 121 tackles, including eight for losses of 40 yards. He has five interceptions, seven deflections, three fumble recoveries, and one forced fumble in his career. And like many coaches around the country, Helton looked to improve his roster through the transfer portal, adding four players from Power 5 conferences. Helton also brought in the 10th-ranked recruiting class this season with multiple prospects ranked in the top 10 of their position. 
but college football analyst for NBC Sports, Eric Froton, says another coach deserves the credit for this recruiting haul. You cannot get any polar opposites in terms of the performance of USC from 2019 on the recruiting trail to 2020 on the recruiting trail. Big leap. Oh, my gosh. It, their, their 2019 class was, it was their worst class of all time. They were ranked. This is USC. This is L.A. You're in the, the stardom, the beautiful weather, you know, the, all the perks, the, the network you are when you, you are a part of when you go to USC. All the Heisman. All that. All the, I mean, the movie star, everything you want. My God, the legacy of USC. And they had the 64 ranked overall. This Ouch. is in the entire country in 64 ranked class in 2019. A host of G5 teams are recruited. University of Southern California Trojans. It, it, it boggles the mind, but you know, to the credit, and it almost possibly held in his job. My gosh, I know being a, a Southern California guy living there for 15 years, I know the, the, the trustees, they were pounding the drum for Clay to go after that recruiting hall. Oh. But that being said, they made, you know, credit where credit's due. They made the adjustments. Where they were really getting killed is oh, uh, Oregon was coming into California yeah. and just pillaging all the top-end talent, and a big part of that was their cornerbacks coach and one of the tippity-tippity-top best recruiters in the entire country, Dante Williams, was at Oregon, and he is a entrenched guy in Southern California. He's been a coach all around the Southern California area for a couple of decades. He's very, very well-renowned. So when he went to Oregon, he had those ties and those connections, all those coaches, all those kids, and he used them to bring them to Oregon. Well, USC, you know, in, in traditional dramatic fashion, you know, right out of the Godfather, I don't know what they do that, you know, <laughs> brought a stallion head out, what they would say. Uh oh. Here comes the Brinks truck. Here it comes. Oh, instead of the horses, oh, wait, hold on. It's just a gigantic pile of cat. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they backed up the Brinks truck and said, we need to get Dante in the fold here. And what a different, you know, small, Changes you do, you know, you don't see these things on the field, but the things that happen behind the scenes are just as important as one on Saturdays. And Dante Williams, what an absolute star he ended up being! Helped him get, as mentioned, Ray John Davis, huge, huge part of getting Ray John Davis, even more so, Corey Foreman, the number one recruit according to 247 Sports in the entire country, an absolutely ferocious defensive end. You know, in 22, they helped him get him. And that's, you know, that's this year, you know, kind of coming in. Just just a huge, I mean, 21, obviously, he's coming in. Sorry, Corey Foreman. Just a huge, huge get for him, 6'4", 265. And he's he's ready-made for the edge. Just an amazing guy. Rajon Davis and Corey Foreman getting both of those guys. You you simply can't overstate it. Their entire class was, was rock solid. I mean, Jackson Dart. Four-star quarterback. They even had they had two. Or they had Jake Garcia too, who was in. And then Jackson Dark came in and said, "All right, well, I'm going to Miami. What's the point of me continuing <laughs> to be here?" You know, they're riding Dark, and they got Miller Moss, two high, high four stars. Like, what's the point of being number three? Exactly. Uh, Brandon Campbell, four-star running back, another star of team Texas, going into Texas and grabbing him. Not bad, you know. You, yeah. You starting you starting to do some damage when you're you're rooting in a. You know, reaching into Texas as opposed to, you know, the obviously fertile hunting ground of, of California. So 
Um, the eighth ranked class uh, in the country, only two spots behind Oregon this year for this class, which they I need mean, to be. going from where they were, 64th, all the way up to eighth, right there with Oregon. This was, you cannot possibly overstate the importance of picking up those blue chip recruits and especially, you know, Foreman, Rajon Davis, Julian Simon as well, another outside linebacker. They're going to be terrorizing passers. In, uh, in a pass-happy conference over the course of the next few years. This was USC's first top-10 recruiting class since 2018. And looking at the road ahead, USC opens up against a San Jose State and will look to go 4-0 all-time versus the Spartans. And after playing a conference-only schedule last season, USC will resume its rivalry game with Notre Dame playing in South Bend this season. And wow, they're going to look to stop the skid against the Golden Domers as they've lost three straight to the Irish. The Trojans close out their season against BYU and will look to avenge a 2019 loss in Provo. Now we ease our way to Emerald City and the Washington Huskies. In their first season under Jimmy Lake, the Huskies would have represented the North Division in the Pac-12 Championship had they been able to field a team. But looking forward, QB is a big question mark. Last season, freshman starter Dylan Morris posted a total QBR of 70 with four pass TDs and three picks. Now Washington brings in Sam Huard, son of Damon Huard and nephew of Brock Huard, both who played at Washington before going on to the NFL. Sam was the number 15 overall prospect in the 2021 class. But regardless of who starts, he should be well protected. Washington allowed just one sack last season and all five regulars from that group return. The Huskies open the season at home against Montana State and head to the big house to take on Michigan in week two. Now let's take a look at Tempe and the Arizona State Sun Devils, and it's the quarterback that has fans in the Grand Canyon State feeling good. Jaden Daniels posted a 87 total QBR to lead the Pac-12. So will he continue his meteoric rise? For that, I turn to scout and NFL draft analyst Ryan Roberts. Unfortunately for him, and it's the same kind of story with Keaton Slovis, is the the craziness of the pandemic, the the you know shutdowns of conferences, and the Pac-12 having their very um, abbreviated season. I don't think it helped him at all because you saw a lot of flashes of Jaden Daniels as a true freshman, and then only having a four-game sample size as a sophomore after missing practice early on because you thought the season was going to be postponed and then it's back on. There was a lot of moving parts, which I think hurt his development. But from a you know talent perspective, he's six foot three. He's athletic. He has a strong arm. He needs to add weight right now. He's only about 190 pounds, very thin man. But I, I do think that he has the baseline athleticism and arm strength that could have a big rise. It's just all about having that structure this year and having a lot of live bullets that he continue that maturation process because the talent is clear to see with a guy like J Jaden Daniels. In the backfield, Rashad White averaged 10 yards per carry in 2020, the best by any player since 2006. White was a big play waiting to happen. With three rushes of 50 yards or more tied for the most in the Pac-12, despite his team playing just four games. And he finished strong, having 291 yards over the final two games of the season. And there's even more to look forward to this fall as Arizona State returns 95% of last year's production, highest in the Pac-12 and fourth in all of the FBS. The Sun Devils are going to kick off their campaign against Southern Utah. 
Now let's swing on over to Salt Lake and the Utah Utes. And the QB carousel continues to spin ever since Tyler Huntley left two years ago. As last year, the team used three different quarterbacks. Cameron Rising started the first game of the season before suffering a season-ending injury. Then Jake Bentley took over as the starter for the final four games. But in the season finale, Utah replaced an ineffective Bentley with Drew Lisk, who helped spark the comeback. But the bad news for the Beehive State? Well, since the season ended, Bentley transferred to South Alabama. Lisk called it a career, and Rising's rehab forced him to miss spring practice. So the team hit that transfer portal, landing a pair with Charlie Brewer from Baylor and Jaquindon Jackson from Texas. And looking at the schedule, a game to keep an eye on is the Holy War against BYU in Week 2. And Jeff Mazidlow, sports writer at Yard Barker, is glad it's back. You know, that kind of just goes back to because of the, you know, a lot of players, that obviously at BYU and also at, at Utah, the, you know, they're of the morbid faith. So they're just, we assume they're, you know, they're, they're God-fearing people who are you know, going to be nice to each other. And, but they're still, you know, they're intense. And it's, it's like, I think that's just more of a play on the location and where the schools are, are uh, hosted. But one of my favorite parts of that rivalry was, uh, a few years back in 2015, where they actually met in the postseason in the Las Vegas Bowl, so it was dubbed the Holy War in Sin City, which I thought, was, <laughs> which I thought was quite appropriate. And you know, Utah has dominated that that series. They've won nine in a row, and they weren't able to play. They were supposed to play uh, this year, but obviously COVID changed that. It would have been fun because BYU was playing so well in 2020. Um, that it would have been great to see, you know, this could have been a year where BYU could have probably ended that streak. But yeah, the whole Holy War uh, is, is kind of a, you know, it's, it's just, I think it's a good fun, but it, it also makes sense and that when they played in Vegas, I thought that was really pretty uh, creative for them to come up with that little slogan. We go back to Cali and the Stanford Cardinal. But no one is fearing the tree. With Davis Mills off to the NFL, the Cardinal needs to find a successor at QB. Jack West has played five games in his career with two starts. Both were losses. Tanner McKee has played in one career game last season's opening loss to Oregon. On the defensive side of the ball, Stanford has to replace its tackling leader, sack leader, and pass breakup leader from last season. But they're going to look to get it all together as they open the season against Kansas State of the Big 12. Now we head to Pasadena and the UCLA Bruins. Now last season, games featured plenty of points for both teams as the Bruins ranked fourth in Power 5 teams with 35 points per game and 30 points per game allowed. And that's just behind Florida, Old Miss, and Wake Forest. But the picture is looking rosy as 17 of the 18 Bruins who played at least 125 defensive snaps last season return this year. And offensively, Dorian Thompson-Robinson looks to continue his improvement as he made major leaps in 2020 with a completion percentage of 65% and a total QBR of 80. That's up from 53 from 2018 and 2019. Those Bruins open the season in week zero for some home cooking against Hawaii, but it's the matchup with LSU the following week that has Zach Barnett of Football Scoop talking upset. LSU hardly ever goes west. Um, UCLA, I think, uh, you know, they, they finally showed signs of life under Chip Kelly last year. So this will be a great opportunity for them 
to prove that they're for real uh, against the LSU team that's, that's going to be breaking in uh, new schemes on both sides of the ball as well. Let's bounce to Boulder and the Colorado Buffaloes. Last year, Jarek Boussard became the first player in Colorado history to be named a Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. And wow, what a ranking he had. Rushing yards, 895, good for first, and yards per scrimmage, also ranked first. But who's going to hand him the ball? Sam Neuer transferred to Oregon State, leaving the quarterback position a major question mark. The Buffs have three scholarship players at the position, freshman Drew Carter and Brendan Lewis, as well as Tennessee transfer J.T. Strout. Now, Colorado kicks off the season against Northern Colorado, and they get a real test against SEC power Texas A&M in Week 2. And now, the pride of Pullman, the Washington State Cougars. Incumbent starting QB Jaden DeLaura was suspended from the team earlier this offseason following a DUI and reinstated in May. That combined with incoming transfer of former Tennessee QB Jarek Guarantano leaves an interesting battle for the job this season. Jarek played in 41 games during his Vols career, posting a 12-20 and 20 record as a starter and a 58 total QBR. Cameron Cooper also could be in that mix. The Cougars struggle mightily on defense. Their Pac-12 rankings, well, 12th in pass yards per game and 11th in points per game allowed. The Cougs open up against Utah State, but it's the final game of the season. That's the real treat, the Apple Cup. And I turn to Washington State legend Ryan Leaf to describe the Washington State faithful. You know, very loyal. There's something about being a Cougar. When you decide when you're 18 years old, on who you're going to be the rest of your life. That doesn't happen anywhere in the world, right? You, you know, I lived in Canada for a while and where you went to college, it, it did, there wasn't an identity that went with it. But when you're 18, you decide on who you're going to be the rest of your life, essentially. And when I was 18, I decided I was going to be a Cougar. So every alumnus or every fan that, that went to Washington State is a part of that. Um, there's something unique and special. We're, we kind of play that underdog role. You know, we have a chip on our shoulder and when we see crimson and gray somewhere else or the Cougar logo, we walk in in airports, you'll hear it. You'll hear go Cougs from, uh, from off in the distance. And you know, immediately that's, that's a brother or a sister. That's I think the best definition of, of the fans. Now we make our way to Berkeley and the California golden bears. Now, they brought in Bill Musgrave to direct the offense in 2020, but with limited practice due to COVID-19, quarterback Chase Garbers struggled, with his total QBR dropping from 71 in 2019 to just 57 last year. But Garbers has thrown 34 career pass TDs. He needs just four to pass Davis Webb and move into the top 10 all-time at Cal. In terms of notable names within reach, he needs 10 passes, to pass one Aaron Rodgers, whose 43 pass TDs rank eighth in program history. The Golden Bears take on Nevada at home in week one and then battle TCU the following week. Let's cruise the Corvallis and the Oregon State Beavers. And there's a three-way battle for the starting QB job. Sam Neuer, a transfer from Colorado, was second-team All-Pac-12 selection last year. As for the incumbents... Tristan Gabia earned the starting role to open last season before getting hurt and seeing Chance Nolan have some success in his place. And wow, Oregon State gets a test right out of the gate. 
as they travel to the land of the Boilermaker to take on Purdue. So now let's truck on over to Tucson and the Arizona Wildcats. Jed Fish takes over as head coach. It's his first full-time head coaching job, though he went 1-1 one one as the UCLA interim coach in 2017. And wow, he's got his work cut out for him as they are coming off this first winless season in program history as the Wildcats were the Pac-12's worst team in several categories. Arizona finished last in the Pac-12 in 2020 in points per game, points per game allowed, points per game differential, and total QBR. Ouch! The season was punctuated by a 70-7 loss to in-state rival Arizona State at the end of the year, the worst loss to the Sun Devils ever. So it's a Gunner Cruz and a Will Plummer at quarterback. Cruz has played in just one career game last year with Washington State, while Plummer threw three INTs in three games last season. Arizona will look to get off on the right foot against BYU in week one. All right, it's time to go for two. Get that kicker out of there. Two final points. All right, we got two good futures over there at betonline.ag. A couple of Pac-12 names in the 2022 NFL Draft props on who is the potential number one overall draft pick. Oregon defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau has the third best odds, while USC gunslinger Keaton Slovis has the fifth best odds to be the top overall pick in next year's draft. Also at Bet Online are the odds to win the college football championship, where Oregon and USC are both plus 5,000 to win it all. One more, we'll listen to the prior episodes and check back next week because we'll have more previews as the college football season gets underway in week zero. And of course, Believe in College Football Legends is presented by Bet Online. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.